Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone. Today we're continuing our season preview series. We went over the quarterback position in the first episode this week. We had Pat Fitzmorris on for that one, so go back, give that one a listen if you haven't already. And I told you on that show, I've lined up the most accurate analyst at each position, and that's based on last year's results from the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Contest. So today's guest, Jared Smola, Draft Sharks. He was the number one ranker for running backs last year, and we're going to get his thoughts on how to approach the position, the players he likes, the ones he's shying away from, all that great stuff. And really the goal here is just to try to make this as straightforward as possible, right? We want to give you everything you need about this position, how you should approach it in fantasy. We want to do it in the shortest amount of time. So we're going to try to cram a bunch in today. If you want more after today's show, you can go find all my rankings, trade value charts, all our fantasy content in the Scores 2021 Fantasy Football Draft Kit. That's available for free at the Score right now. But let's get Jared in here. You can find his content at Draft Sharks, and he's on Twitter at SmolaDS. He finished 10th overall across all positions last year in Fantasy Pro's in-season competition. He finished 4th in draft accuracy last year, so one of my rivals near the top competing for that crown every season. This is his third time on the show. We're welcoming him back. It's great to have him here. Jared, how's it going, man? It's going well. You know, we're in the thick of things here now in early August. You know, we've kind of started the five-week or the five-month grind, you know, from now till the end of the season. But I, I love it. You know, I love getting all the training camp buzz, training camp news coming in. Um, yeah, I, I'm surprised I, I beat you at, at the running back position last year because, you know, you are you are kind of the gold standard. You're kind of the GOAT in these uh, rankings accuracy competitions. Super impressive how consistent you are. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've been up there now almost every year, I think, for the last few seasons. So I, I feel like I'm seeing your name up there all the time. And with the other guys like Pat yesterday, uh, John Paulson, there's a few of us that kind of seem to be regulars near the top. I was joking with Pat yesterday that if there was like a, a champion's dinner, sort of like the Masters, <laughs> that uh, we'd all be at the, the front table or whatever at this point. But unfortunately, there isn't anything like that. But we get to hang out digitally. We get to go over all this stuff. And, and you're right. I, I can't stand like that time of year right before training camp kicks off when everyone's kind of got their thoughts out there and now people are just making insane statements when it comes to fantasy and projections and it's nice once the players are finally back on the field and we're getting some real news that we can go off of as opposed to just all the speculation that happens over the summer. Yeah, it just gets stale, right? In like May and June, you know, there's really nothing to do with your rankings. If you're in drafts, kind of every draft looks the same. But once once training camps hit, you know, you, you get the news, you can start adjusting things based on what you're hearing out of camps. You get in these drafts and, you know, guys are rising, guys are falling. So I love this time of year. And, you know, we're only a month away now from the start of real football. All right. Well, I want to keep a similar format for these shows. So we'll talk a bit about some breakouts, some busts, some sleepers. At the end, I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire questions about the running back position. But first things first, I want to get your general approach to RBs this year. Are you grabbing them early? Are you a zero RB guy? Are you a hero RB guy or whatever they want to call it at this point? You know, there's a lot of ways to come at it. So without naming specific players, if you can avoid it off the top here, because we're going to talk about a lot of guys in the other questions. Just what's your general strategy when it comes to running backs and drafts this year? So just super generally, like not even just this season, you know, I, I'm all about volume and that's at every position, but I think it's especially true at running back. Like the, the correlation between volume and fantasy production at running back is super strong. So, I mean, we obviously prefer talented running backs. We prefer our running backs to be on good football teams, but I'm always chasing volume. Um, so that kind of guides my strategy. Like I want to scoop up as many workhorse running backs I can early on and yeah, even beyond the workhorse it's just guys I feel are safe 
in their projected volume. So like for, for this year, depending on the day you ask me, you know, I, I'm always tinkering with rankings, tinkering with projections, but depending on the day you ask me, there's somewhere between 15 and 20 running backs that I feel pretty safe about their volume. So generally I'm trying to grab, you know, two or three of those guys early on, even if it means, you know, spending three of my first four picks on the running back position. Interesting. So I guess we have a bit of a different approach because I feel like for me, I've kind of fallen into that hero RB approach, at least the last few years. I used to be more of even not complete zero RB, but I feel like I used to go wide receivers in the first couple rounds several years ago. And then in the last few years, I started to fall back into grabbing that one guy. Doesn't have to be in the first round. Uh, there's a lot of great running backs in the second round that we can get, but we'll talk about some of those guys later. Uh, and then after that, the key is just for me grabbing guys, you know, in the mid to later rounds that just have that path to significantly outproduce ADP. I don't want the safe plays. I don't want the Naheem Hines guys that can get me by. I want to take those big swings. So we're kind of aiming at the same thing. I want to end up with these guys that maybe could get the volume, but aren't going to get it right away. Whereas you're looking to take those guys early on and just secure that position. And I get it because receivers fairly deep. I mean, depends what you want to do at tight end. But if you get a couple of those guys off the top, you, you feel pretty good about your roster when you got running back locked down there. Yeah, to me, it just comes down to I, I still feel like running or, you know, wide receiver is deeper than running back. You know, when you get into rounds four, five, six, seven, I just feel better about the wide receivers there. But, you know, th these generalities are always dangerous in fantasy because, you know, one, it always depends on your format. You know, is it PPR? Is it non PPR? How many wide receivers versus running backs do you start? Um, and it depends on just who's available. You know, if, I, you know, if I'm picking at the, you know, start of the first round versus the back of the first round. It's really completely different strategies just because the player pool available to you is going to be different. So yeah, in general, I'm looking to grab running backs early, but you know, it's not always the case. I'm definitely willing to, you know, start with a couple wide receivers and elite tight end and then grab running backs later. It just depends again on the league format and you know, what ends up getting to me in the draft. Yeah. I said this on the quarterback episode too, but you can't really have that rigid plan going in. I mean, we both have an idea or maybe these are the things that we just notice we end up doing more and more in drafts, but you have to be willing to adapt. And if there's incredible value early on, depending where I'm picking, I will still go running back, running back in the first couple of rounds and then switch it up and try to backfill at the other positions because value is really the name of the game, right? I mean, that's the reason that I'm looking at Hero RB is just because on the surface, I feel like that's where I can find the best value. Maybe it's because... You know, I really like getting those high-end receivers. I feel more comfortable with that. Everybody's different. Every draft is different. So uh, there's a lot of ways to come at it. And now we got to talk about the specific players because this is what people want to hear about. So we'll keep moving along here. There seems to be a consensus top two at the top with CMC, Dalvin Cook. I don't think we need to spend too much time on those guys. They're both pretty solid picks. I mean, even if you don't have them in your top two, I'm guessing they aren't very far off. But I'm curious, outside of those two guys... Of that next group, who are you most interested in with the, the third overall pick? When you got to choose from the Kamaras and Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, there's a bunch of guys in that group to pick from. Who's your favorite after those top two? Yeah, so McCaffrey and Cook are my clear top two. Uh, beyond that, my my head, you know, my my projections say it's Alvin Kamara at three. Um, you know, he and, and I actually bumped him up my rankings after. The Michael Thomas injury because Kamara's usage was insane when Thomas was out last season. Kamara averaged 8.6 targets per game in the eight games that Michael Thomas missed. You know, that, that is insane volume to go along with, you know, 12 to, to 15 carries per game. So my head says Kamara, my heart kind of says Zeke. 
Um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, I, I just, I just think he's going to be a workhorse on what might be the highest scoring team in the NFL. And Zeke was disappointing last season. I think that, you know, that was partly because the Cowboys were just kind of a mess with Dak Prescott out and their offensive line was all banged up. Um, I, I, I wonder about Zeke's motivation after, you know, Dak went down for the season. I, I think he's in for a big bounce back year. He's still only like 26 years old. The O-line's healthier this season. Assuming Dak's injury is not something we need to worry about. Um, I, I could see Zeke even, even you know, threatening McCaffrey and, and you know, Cook for a, for a top two spot in the running back rankings. Well, and that's one that we just can't underrate as far as the offensive line goes in Dallas. And people don't think back to the context with a lot of this stuff, but... Not only was Dak gone, but they lost so many linemen that it was hard for that offense to really do much of anything last year down the stretch, no matter who was at quarterback. So uh, with that offensive line healthy, if they can stay healthy this season, I like that call with Zeke. For me, it depends too. Kamara would be the guy for me in half PPR. In PPR, I would go with him. I won't talk a lot about standard today. In standard, I would probably give the nod to Henry, but each year I do a poll before the season starts. Just how leagues are changing, what people's favorite scoring settings are. And I've watched as half PPR went from the lowest total by far a few years ago to now half PPR actually finished as a number one option. PPR was pretty close behind it. And then standard, I think standard finished like under 10% of the vote. Like really no one is playing unless maybe people have just had a league for a really long time and, and they don't want to change the scoring settings at this point. There's not that many people even asking me standard questions anymore. So yeah, I'm with you for Kamara. I mean, they're going to find ways to get him the, the ball. Any concerns that people have about, about, you know, the change at quarterback, I just don't see a scenario where they don't feed him the ball. I mean, aside from that down year in 2019, and I say down year, but he still had over 1,300 yards from scrimmage in 14 games that year, and he was hampered by that high ankle sprain. That really is what sapped his effectiveness. The other three NFL seasons he's had, he had touchdown totals of 13, 19, 21. Last year, over 17, almost 1,700. He wasn't quite there almost 1,700 yards from scrimmage and 15 appearances. And like you said, now with Michael Thomas out for who knows how long here, uh, Kamara, he is just going to get peppered with targets. They have to. They don't really have another choice. So despite a little bit of risk with the, the changes in that offense, I really like Kamara there too. Uh, lots more to go over though. The big one that everybody wants to know every year, which running back is going to break out in 2021? Who's your pick there? I'm going Antonio Gibson here, and you know it's kind of a chalk answer. His ADP is on the rise. You know, you see him sneak into the first round even now sometimes. I do think if you, you know, if, as we get into later August and you're in some of your home leagues, he'll still be a second round pick. Um, you know, Gibson entered the NFL as a rookie last year with 33 career college carries. You know, he was like a running back wide receiver hybrid at Memphis. So, you know, to do what he did on the ground last year, 790 five yards and 11 touchdowns on 4.7 yards per carry. Gibson finished fifth in pro football focuses, rushing grades among 47 qualifiers. Like to do that was super impressive to me. And I'm confident that he, he has more to give us in the passing game. He, you know, he was pretty good in the passing game last year. Again, he did a lot of that at Memphis. You know, he played quite a bit of wide receiver, you know, splitting out into the slot at Memphis. You know, J.D. McKissick was obviously the issue there um, with uh, McKissick stealing over 100 targets. I, I think Gibson is going to eat into that quite a bit this season. I wouldn't even be surprised if Gibson out-targets out McKissick. So you get that increase in passing game volume. Gibson's the clear lead ball carrier in Washington. The offense should be better with Ryan Fitzpatrick there at quarterback. So I, I think all the pieces are in place for, you know, Gibson to finish as a top 10 fantasy running back this season. 
Yeah, I'm all over Gibson as well. Another team that upgraded in the offensive line this year, not just with the quarterback upgrade. So a lot of reasons to be excited about him, that he really could be that you know, David Johnson kind of sophomore leap, really like that monster leap that Johnson took. We could see that from Gibson as a pass catcher and a runner. I mean, for me, I normally would have said Cam Akers all offseason in this spot, but, you know, he's off the fantasy radar, at least for this year. And I am willing to take some shots on Daryl Henderson in his place, talking about sort of another potential breakout. I mean, he's a little further down and there's more risk involved with him than somebody like Gibson, but... You know, he doesn't have a lot of competition in that backfield. The beat writers going to practice. They're commenting that no one is really challenging him for big time volume. Xavier Jones maybe could be the backup option. You know, the Rams running backs have had a lot of success under McVay, including Henderson last year. I mean, Henderson over 90 yards from scrimmage in three of the first six games had four touchdowns during that time. Like he, he's shifty. He can definitely put up some stats. We'll just see if he can be durable in that lead role. He's going to have a shot. Um, and I'm not really worried about them signing anybody else because who's going to come in and really take over lead back duties there? I'm not worried about Le'Veon Bell at this stage in his career. Adrian Peterson is so old. If Adrian Peterson takes the job away and that's something I have to, to bet against and I lose that bet, I'm okay with that at this point. That would just be shocking to me. Now, like I said, whether Henderson can stay healthy and really give us a full breakout season, we'll see. But I think he's going to have some big games and, you know, he comes a little cheaper. You can get him, you know, fifth round or so. Um, so I could see people viewing him as a bust because um, I know that, you know, he already kind of was viewed as a bust before this opportunity now fell into his lap. So the fact that the the risk is mitigated by spending the lower draft capital on him, he's a guy that I'm willing to take some shots on. The bigger busts really come from the first few rounds. Is there anybody up there, anybody in the first couple rounds that running back wise you're pretty worried about? Yeah, it's Jonathan Taylor for me, and you know, I was avoiding him in the first round even before the injuries to Carson Wentz and guard Quentin Nelson. Um, and there, there, there's a couple reasons. I mean, one of them is that Taylor's big finish to last year, it came against a super soft schedule. Four of Taylor's final six opponents ranked bottom four in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So you know, he, he faced a lot of bad run defenses down that trash. Now, I think Taylor is a great running back. You know, I loved him as a prospect and I, I, you know, I don't think he was just a product of that soft schedule down the stretch. I think he just sort of figured out the NFL game late. The bigger concern is his pass catching role. I mean, you know, even in that big stretch to close last season, those final six games, he only averaged 2.7 targets per game. You know, that's a full season pace of 43 targets that would have ranked 27th among running backs. Taylor was solid in the passing game last year. But Naheem Hines was better. Uh, PFF graded Hines first among running backs in their receiving grades. Like he, he's he's just good in that role. So I don't think Hines is going away as the Colts' primary pass catching back. And that's a bigger issue now with these Wentz and Nelson injuries because the, you know as long as Wentz is out, there's a better chance that the Colts find themselves playing from behind in games. And my concern with Taylor is that you know when the Colts are playing from behind, when they get into catch up mode, that Taylor is going to be coming off the field for Naheem Hines. So um, as a first-round pick, he, he just has too many question marks for me right now. Yeah, like you said, it's it's not even, regardless of what you think about his talent, it's not even about that, right? It's about 
the situation that he's in and it's about all these injuries and it's not just Nelson. It's not just Wentz. There's a few injuries on that offensive line right now. We think that they'll be healthy for, you know, fairly early in the season, but also the fact that they're just going to be thrown off. We're not going to get the best version of this attack. We're not going to get all this time with these guys to gel in training camp in the preseason. We're going to see them come together early in the season. And then how long is it going to take for them to all get on the same page? It's really going to throw this, this offense uh, off early in the year. And it doesn't put Taylor completely off the map. I don't think this is a situation where we think that he's going to bust and, you know, end up finishing as an RB3 or an RB4 in fantasy. I think it's just it pushes him down to maybe more of that second round like you're alluding to where I would still take my shots on him there. Some people, I forget if it was a podcast I was on or if it was on this show, but uh, somebody was talking recently about him being viewed as uh, maybe a third round pick that, that some guys are saying that they don't want to take him until the third round. I would still take him in the second. I think the talent is enough. And we know that even if an offense is bad, I mean, Look at the Jaguars offense last year where not great quarterback play, not a great offense overall, but James Robinson still put up some big numbers. And I know, you know, you're looking at Robinson finishing, you know, as high as he did because he was getting all of the volume. He was getting the receiving work as well. And, you know, maybe Taylor wouldn't get that, but I still think Taylor can be up in that RB1 range. But the fact that, you know, he's going to fall a bit in ADP. Um, maybe still makes him a guy that I'm willing to take a shot on in the second round now. And if he falls to the third, my God, smash, smash, smash all day long on that one. But you can't ignore all these injuries. You know, you can't ignore them whatsoever when you're looking at his value. Uh, I think we could also point the spotlight here. I mean, David Montgomery, another guy that had a, an easy schedule down the stretch last year. And I know people talking about Tariq Cohen and how he might not be ready this year, but they also brought in Damian Williams. Damian Williams knows that system, has a history in that naggy kind of system. Um, he can come in and be that all-round back and, and steal some touches. And last year, it wasn't just that Cohen was gone. It was that they didn't have anybody else to really challenge Montgomery for touches. So uh, having him, you know, if people think that he's going to repeat and be that RB1 this season, I don't really see that. Miles Sanders, kind of the same with him. I mean, the Eagles just stocked up on running backs, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, Carrion Johnson, Jordan Howard. They got all these guys. Feels like they brought in a hundred backs this offseason. And Nick Sirianni plans to use more than one guy. Everything we're hearing from them is that they're not really going to go with a, a workhorse back. So Montgomery and Sanders, I mean, they're going a lot later than Taylor. So that takes away some of the risk there. But I think those are also guys that some people had some excitement around. And I, I don't know that we're going to see them have really big years or emerge as RB1s. Yeah, never excited to draft those two guys you mentioned, Montgomery and Sanders. It, you know, they they do tend to drop into like round four sometimes. And at that price, I think they're decent like floor picks just because I do think they're both pretty locked in as their team's lead ball carrying backs. But yeah, they're definitely uh, pass catching volume concerns for both Montgomery and Sanders. Yeah, those are guys that when someone else takes them in the draft, you just <laughs> kind of breathe a sigh of relief and you're excited that that spot just went to somebody else and now you can focus on players that you want to grab. Right. Uh, let's get some, some more positive topics here, though. Um, I don't like sticking on the negative stuff. I hate focusing on the negative, but uh, sleepers. So sleepers can be very tough to define. Um, you know, it could be a guy that is a backup that just needs more opportunity to win that starting job. Could be somebody that needs an injury in order to thrust him into the starting lineup. It could be an under the radar rookie, somebody just not getting enough respect. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can approach this. Um, is there somebody in your mind that stands out as a, a sleeper this year? Yeah, maybe not the most exciting name, 
but I think Jamal Williams is way undervalued in drafts right now. I've, I've taken a lot of him already. He gets into the double digit rounds pretty consistently. Anthony Lynn, the Lions new offensive coordinator kind of made waves this spring when he called Jamal Williams, his a back to DeAndre Swift's B. Um, I, yeah, I think that was more about the roles they're going to play in this offense. Not necessarily like, you know, them meaning Williams is going to see more touches than, De- than DeAndre Swift. I don't believe that, but I do think, both of these guys are going to see a good amount of work. I think it's going to be, you know, this Lions offense is going to revolve around these running backs and TJ Hawkinson because, you know, the, the wide receiver core might be the worst in the NFL. Um, you had Dan Campbell, who, you know, has been in New Orleans, compare this Swift-Williams duo to Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram to, you know, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. And, and I think that's about right. I think, you know, Jamal Williams is going to kind of play that Latavius Murray role. Um, you know, And that could mean 10 carries per game and a, and a handful of targets per game because, you know, Williams has proven capable in the passing game so to me Williams is like a nice RB3 that again you can get in the 10th 11th 12th round of your draft yeah and anyone that's rostered Jones over the last few years knows the pain of Jamal Williams coming in there and (laughs) taking full series away and taking goal line work away at times and just remaining involved enough to really question what was going on with that Packers offense when Jones just looked like the much better back whenever he was on the field. And I think we're going to see something similar where when Swift is out there, he is definitely going to look like the better player, but they're going to continue to get Jamal Williams involved. And there's just sometimes there's guys like that where coaching staffs fall in love with them, right? Like another guy I would think of like that who maybe could fit this, you know, maybe a sleeper, maybe a deep sleeper, like a Malcolm Brown, who I don't think anybody fantasy wise is really thinking too much about him. But a guy that kind of does a lot of things well, not really particularly stellar in one area, and yet we saw him have some moments with the Rams, and we saw the Lions show interest in him before the Rams matched last year, and then he ends up in Miami where they showed they're willing to give really any running back in that backfield an opportunity. Miles Gaskin last year kind of came out of nowhere and took over as the starter, and I expect that's going to continue, but I also think that Brown's going to be involved, and the coaching staff has kind of mentioned him as a goal line guy, maybe a short yardage guy that he could be involved in that way. And then you look at it and you go, if Gaskin falters, if Gaskin goes down at any point, Brown might be the guy over a Salvin Ahmed who did look good in his spot starts last year, but now you have more of that veteran presence in Brown coming in. And I like where this Dolphins offense is going. I mean, the progress that two is making. So I don't think people should forget about Brown, whether you want to call him a sleeper, whether you want to call him a deep sleeper, whatever. I mean, somebody a little higher up, we're kind of looking at some of these interesting backups like a Darrington Evans, who wasn't really being talked about that much early in the offseason. Now he's getting a little more hype, but the backup to Derrick Henry, who Derrick Henry, over 700 touches combined the last two years. At some point, maybe Henry finally shows us that he's human, right? And he he goes down or misses some time, and at that point... Evans could step into an offense that I think we're all very excited about with the weapons they have there and the offensive line. I mean, Taylor Luan coming back. Um, I think Evans could be a guy that if he gets that opportunity as a pass catcher, as a runner, he could do something with it there. Um, if we push even deeper, I mean, Malcolm Brown was a bit of a, a deep pull for me. I mean, if we push even deeper there, so like, you know, last round or even undrafted guys, is anybody really deep at running back that you think could make an impact this year? Like a, a dart throw option, you know, maybe even like a, a waiver wire watch list kind of guy that we'll see pop up during the season. 
Yeah, and you've mentioned a few already. I think I think Malcolm Brown's a good one. Uh, Damian Williams is a good one with Tariq Cohen, you know, dealing with the, the knee stuff. Um, Kenny Gainwell in Philly, you know, we'll, we'll see whether it's going to be Gainwell or, or Boston Scott handling, you know, the, the pass catching duties. You know, Scott's kind of been buzzing in camp over the past few days, so maybe it ends up being him. But Gainwell was a guy I liked, you know, coming out of Memphis as a pass catcher in particular. So he's interesting. And then one other guy who's really kind of climbed my rankings over the last week now is Rashad Penny in Seattle because you know he missed a lot of the spring after having another surgery I believe it was on his knee he, he had he had more knee trouble in the spring but he's healthy for camp supposedly looking good um, and I think it's you know Chris Carson's backfield but you know we know he's had his injury issues you know maybe if he misses a couple weeks Penny shows well and he kind of takes over as the lead guy in you know what I, I still think is going to be a really good offense in Seattle yeah and I think it's almost worth even considering in deeper leagues and dynasty leagues like Alex Collins and DJ Dallas too because we just know like you said the injuries both those guys have had like Rashad Penny how long is he going to be healthy for here right we saw him get that kind of cleanup surgery and I wasn't even sure he was going to be back for training camp and I know he looks really good right now but you do kind of worry at what point will he maybe go down again or something. I hope it works out. I had some high hopes for him before, and it would be nice to see him finally come through here. But let's wrap things up. Rapid fire section, like I said off the top, I'm only accepting quick answers on this one. So quick hit, maybe give some like really brief context if you need to. But the goal is to just kind of zip through these. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Which 49ers back is going to be the best fantasy asset this season? Trey Sermon, uh, especially over the second half of the season, I, I just don't think Raheem Mostert can hold up. Yeah, we've talked about that schedule the 49ers have down the stretch. It is absolutely beautiful for fantasy. Uh, who would you rather roster in a PPR league? Tariq Cohen, probably not with that injury, and we don't really know when he's going to be back. J.D. McKissick, James White, or Gio Bernard? This one's James White for me pretty easily. Under the assumption that we get Mac Jones for, you know, the majority of the season, which I still think we will. You know, Cam Newton just kind of killed running back value in New England last year, but I think if they get to Mac Jones, it's going to be an offense, you know, more similar to what we saw under Tom Brady, and, you know, we know what James White did in those offenses. All right, which running back scares you the most from a durability standpoint this year? Got to be Saquon Barkley, right, coming off that, you know, multiple knee ligament injury. Didn't get surgery until late October last year, and, you know, is still on the pup list as of now. I kind of already gave my thoughts on this one, but will Adrian Peterson or Le'Veon Bell be fantasy starters at any point in 2021? I really hope not. (laughs) All right, I'll accept that. (laughs) Uh, Which Chargers back is going to emerge as the backup to Austin Eckler? That's one a lot of fantasy managers are trying to figure out right now. I'm hoping it's Justin Jackson. I think he's he's the best option. I think it's likely, though, going to be Josh Kelly, just you know the fact that they spent a fourth-round pick on him last year. All right, keeping in mind I am a Bills fan here, <laughs> who will score more rushing touchdowns this season, Josh Allen by himself or Zach Moss and Devin Singletary combined? I'm going to go with the running backs by it. By a hair, um, you know, Moss and Singletary combined for 13 carries inside the five yard line last year. Josh Allen had nine, so it was close. But I, I'm gonna, you know, go with the opportunity if it's similar. I'll, I'll take Moss plus Singletary. Yeah, Allen can't keep scoring eight, nine rushing touchdowns <laughs> a year. It can't, it can't continue like this. I hope it does, but I don't think it will. Uh, factoring in ADP, last question here. It's the big one. Who's the one running back who's going to lead fantasy owners to a title this season? Joe Mixon, and I can hear all the groans because, you know, he has a lot of haters after what <laughs> happened last season. But listen, he, he's going to get the volume. You know, bringing it back to what we talked about at the top of the show, he's going to get the volume, especially with Gio Bernard gone now. Gone now. I think Joe Mixon's a big talent, and that's an ascending offense in Cincinnati. Despite, you know, the slow start in training camp stuff, I do think it's going to be a pretty solid offense this season. 
Yeah, I had I had Gibson and you talked about him plenty and did a great job breaking him down. He was my my main one. And I also had Carson, even though Penny is looking better and <laughs> and even though, you know, there are some concerns about his durability as well. I think he's just a guy that every year people kind of underrate and even with some other running backs there working with him, he kind of continues to be sort of a, a sneaky kind of fringe RB1 in fantasy and I think he could do it again this season, especially if they crank up the tempo in that offense this year. But I'm calling it there. We managed to do it. We crammed it all into a half hour here. That's all for today's show. Make sure you're following Jarrett on Twitter, at SmolaDS. Check out all his content, including his rankings at Draft Sharks. Jared, this was great, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, you know, good luck in the rankings competition, but you know, not not too good luck. Yeah, absolutely. The same to you. Definitely good luck in the contest. And you know, it was random that today kind of fell on the exact same day that I'm in the Draft Sharks Invitational. My draft is tonight, so I'm very very excited about that. It seems like it's a really cool league that you guys have put together. It is. It's fun, and we're we're live streaming all those drafts on our YouTube channel. You know, Justin's draft on Thursday night, who will probably be gone. By the time we'll be done by the time you listen to this, but we have uh, three more coming up next week. Uh, you know, next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So if you want to see, you know, who all these uh, you know analysts and high stakes guys are drafting, tune into those drafts. Or yeah, go back and watch the replay and see them chirp all my picks all the way through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, anything else you're working on that you want to steer people towards before we sign off? No, just check out drafttracks.com. We just uh, redesigned the entire site. We launched our brand new draft war room, which is like a you know, customized cheat sheet that live syncs to your league. So all the players get removed from your rankings throughout the draft. It's, it's a really sweet tool. So uh, you know, head over to drafttracks.com and check it out. Awesome. Go take a look at that. Like I said off the top, you should be bookmarking the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. It's getting updated constantly. It is 100% free. I'm going to be back next week with the receiver and the tight end preview episodes. But until then, big thanks again to Jared. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me.